0: Greetings ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to this narration of the web series Humans Don't Make Good Familiars Taken from r slash h of y If you're new to this series there is a playlist listed down below And as always I hope that you enjoy Book 2 Chapter 7 Suma's Point of View Suma? I jerked awake and saw Nine standing over me Finally, you're asleep deeply don't you? It's time to wake up for training Already? I asked confused and in a bit of a haze I stood and exited my roost, stretching my wings wide. "'Did you not sleep well, then, I take it?' Nine asked. "'I had a strange dream,' I said. "'About?' "'I do not know. I do not recognize anyone in it, and certainly never happened to me. So is no memory,' I explained, as we flew to meet everyone else outside to eat. I told Nine about the dream. "'And, boss, wasn't he that famous hero from the time of the dragons?' Nine asked as we landed outside." The others were talking amongst themselves, so we simply grew our fruits and started eating. I believe so, in fact, I'm sure of it, I said, taking a bite of my fruit. But I don't know any nyama from that time with the name of Zachariah. He must have been an imagination of your sleeping mind, I said. In the dream, he was not the nyama in fact, he was a member of Jake's race. You dreamed that Amboss was the same race as your familiar? I asked. What? No, Zachariah was the one who was a... Oh, what did Jake call these fishes again? Who means? I explained. Oh, well, either way, it all sounds like a strange dream. Nine said, taking a bite himself. We talked a bit more until we finished eating, and the lieutenant showed up. Good morning, everyone. I see that you're all finished eating, so we'll begin today's training. Follow me, she said, before spreading her wings and flying upwards. We all followed behind. She led us to a large domed building with a wide open area that we dug quite deeply into the ground. It was clearly a constructed area. There were far too many sharp edges to be natural. Welcome to the pits. Here you will be straining and training. This is where you will improve your skills so that you won't die the first time you go on a mission. Why is it underground? Odin's the tallest Nyema present on our team asked. Once you have progressed enough in your training, you will undergo a trial to be confirmed as ready for field duty, and will then be allowed to go on missions. The pit was created to protect the spectators watching the trial. Can uh, we ask what the trial is? Rao asked nervously. If you need a pit to protect Niyama who are just watching it, it must be dangerous. It'll be live combat. A creature will be summoned for you and your familiar, or Niyama partner, if you prefer, to fight. You could also choose a fight alone, and doing so would result in a rank increase if afterwards you were successful. "'Does this trial apply to even healing mages?' I asked. "'Yes, it does,' she said simply. "'May I ask why?' I asked. "'Anything can happen in combat. There is no way to guarantee your survival, and relying completely on your team to keep you alive in the field will only slow them down and may get you all killed. Every one of you must pass this trial before your team is cleared for duty.' Lieutenant Datahoo explained. Just like the entrance test, I said. The lieutenant started quickly looking around the room, and instead of me. Private Sumer, where is Sentinel? She asked sharply. I haven't summoned him yet, ma'am, I said, nervous. Do so immediately. From now on, I want him to arrive at the same time as the rest of the team. If he is late again, there will be consequences. Yes, ma'am, I understand, I said, and started to summon Jake. I summon you, Sentinel. He slowly began to appear. However, he was in midair again. Ah! He yelped and landed on the floor heavily with a thump. What the heck? He sat up and started looking around. Jake was dressed strangely. His garments were thinner and more free-flowing than normal. Instead of having holes for each of his appendages, it had a single hole that seemed to have gone all the way up his back. Sorry for summoning you without warning, Jake, I apologized. Prepare yourself, Sentinel. We're about to begin today's training, Lieutenant Dantahu ordered. All oh, right, I completely forgot, Jake said, standing up. Lieutenant, I'm sorry, but I don't think it'll be safe for me to train today. I was being treated in the hospital for hallucinations and intermittent loss of consciousness. The lieutenant seemed confused. Are you saying that you were in some kind of healer's abode or infirmary? Yes, ma'am. What? I asked, shocked. Jake, what happened? I don't know. I passed out after you sent me home, and started seeing things that weren't there, he said. Well, now you've been summoned, the healing aspect should take effect soon, so you should be fine, the lieutenant said. Ma'am, he's been summoned almost every single day, for almost a year now. If whatever has happening to him continued even through that, then the healing aspect might not do anything, I told her. Then cast some of your magic yourself, Private Zuma. We need to get started, she snapped. Um, the first thing they teach us in school is that healing magic cannot solve everything and may only make some problems worse. "'If the healing aspect hasn't already healed him, then my magic will not either,' I explained. "'Ah, I see. A disease that cannot be healed with magic. You have my deepest sympathy, Sentinels. "'Have your healers told you how much longer you'll have to make a range?' "'I'm not dying,' Jake blurted out. "'I just need to get back to the doctors and fix me. "'My world never had magic, so we developed other ways to heal people,' he said." Actually, I feel fine. Then why can you not train? Lieutenant Datu asked annoyed. Jake closed his eyes for a second. Okay, so I'm really strong, yes? She said. Would you want someone with my strength who occasionally sees things that aren't there and who already has a history of using overpowered and uncontrolled spells, doing magic anywhere near you? Asked Jake. There was a moment of quiet. I don't... Rose stated. Lion and Odins nodded their heads in agreement and uncomfortably shifted their perches. The lieutenant sighed deeply. Fine, you are excused from training until you have been released to do so from your healer's approval. Thank you, ma'am, Jake said. But you will still be required to take the after-training courses with the instructor that we talked about. You won't need to do magic, so you should be safe, she said. Yes, ma'am, I'm happy to, Jake said as he turned to me. "'Suma, could you send me back before the doctor, or worse, my mum comes back?' I sent him back, and soon as he was gone, the lieutenant let out a deep sigh. End of chapter. Book 2, Chapter 8. Jake's Point of View. "'Yes, ma'am, I'm happy to,' I said, then turned to Suma. "'Suma, could you send me back before a doctor, or worse, my mum comes back?' She did, and I slowly reappeared back in the room, "'thankfully, without seeing their framing figure again. "'I told them you went to the bathroom,' my mum's voice announced from behind me. "'It stalled me, and I spun around. "'Oh, uh, thank you?' He passed out, Jake,' my mum said flatly. "'She was sitting in one of the chairs by the window that the nurse rolled. "'I know,' I said, unsure why she was reminding me. "'Do you? Because you don't act like it. "'Why would Suma summon you, knowing what happened?' she asked annoyed. "'She didn't know, actually.' I just told her and got some time off from the physical training, but they still want me to come for the non-physical stuff, I explained. Did you tell them you passed out? Yeah, but they still want me to come for their classes because it won't be dangerous. Mum looked ever more annoyed with each explanation. Jake, Suma is a doctor, right? Uh, sort of, I said as I sat down on the bed. Mum stood up again angrily. Why can't she just cast one of her spells and fix you then? Well... She actually did try, but she doesn't understand our biology enough to fix this- a broken bone or something, sure, but passing out, she can't help with that. I said, trying to defend Suma and calm her down. Mum sighed, Jake, you need to take better care of yourself. You spend so much time in that world. It's taking its to toll on you. You almost let slip about Suma when you woke up, and now the doctors think you're hallucinating. My eyes probably went wide for a second. I considered lying, but I knew that I shouldn't, not this time. Actually, that wasn't a lie. I was hallucinating. What? Mum yelled. Wait, so there really was a man made of flames, I flinched. Oh yeah. I forgot they told you about that. Why wouldn't you tell me? I didn't want to worry you, I said. Jake, you joined a foreign military, organized and ran by bird wizards to fight a magical war in another world. I'm always worried. Her voice sounded disappointed, scared, and a few other things that made me feel like crap. I'm... I sighed. I'm sorry. All right. No more secrets. Thank you. Now what happened? Why are you hallucinating? She asked and sat back in the chair. There was this creature. I don't know its name, so I always just called it the figure of flame. I saw it a year ago, just after I met Tsuma the second time. It didn't do anything then, except... "'Force Suma to give me a special familiar's name that she uses when she summons me?' "'The familiar's name?' "'Mum asked. "'Ugh, that'll take a while to explain. "'Long story short, names are rare in her world, "'so naming something is like honoring it in a way.' "'Why are names rare?' she asked. "'Because naming something makes it magic stronger, so it needs uh it's hard for me them to do. "'I'll explain more later. "'Anyways, the figure demanded she give me one. "'Then he vanished.' I didn't see him again for a while. Suma was summoning me to start training that day. Do you two train a lot? Mum said, shaking her head. Yeah, you're telling me. If it weren't for a healing magic, I would have walked off my feet. Anyways, Suma summoned me and I saw him again. It was like I was in space or something, like a void. And then I saw him. Once we actually started talking, I realized he was kind of crazy. How? she wondered. It's like he has a split personality or something. He switches randomly between angry and calm, and when he does, his looks change. When he is calm, he looks like a human in his shape. And he's mad. He looks more reptilian. Is he some kind of dragon, then? I don't think so. Suma says all the dragons of the world went extinct a long time ago, or they left, or something. What is he, then? I don't know. And neither does Suma. The first time I saw him was the first time she saw him, too. Is that all the times you've seen him then? Mum asked. No. I saw him a few more times. The last time I saw him, he did something. Went into my mind. Why does everyone from that world try to mind control people? Mama asked, upset. No, he didn't. It felt more like he was trying to show me something. I think it was memories, I explained. Why do you think it was memories? Because that's what those hallucinations felt like. It was like I was reliving something. Well, sort of. Really, it was more like I was interacting with the memory itself. What was it about? She asked. It was of a neema In the memories, he felt familiar. He was a familiar like you? Mum asked, confused. No, I mean, it's just like I knew him. Oh, of course. She shook her head. After I was shaken out of my memory by the store employee, I passed out. Did it hurt? Mum asked, worried. No, actually it was kind of nice. Like I said, I felt like I knew him, so it was kind of relaxing. The passing out part hurt, a bit though, mostly from hitting my head. Mum leaned forward and put a hand on mine. Jake, I'm so scared for you. I'm fine now, Mum, I said. No, you're not. And that's not what worries me. You're young. You think you're invincible, and you're going off to war. I'm so scared that you won't come back. You will be killed, or I'll never know. Mum was crying as she spoke. I didn't know how what to say. There probably wasn't anything to say. I did my best to reassure her that I would do my best to be careful, and hugged her. It took a while for the doctor to come back, which Mum appreciated, because it gave her enough time to dry her tears and fix her makeup. She took me to get an MRI and a few other scans with lots of jumbled letters in their name. I was told that it might be several hours before all the scans came back, so we spent the night in the hospital It was about three in the morning before a new doctor, this time a man, came in and explained the scans. He said they were abnormal and that my brain waves were unusual. They said they were going to order more tests and that I might be here for a few more days. End of chapter Book 2, Chapter 9 Sumer's Point of View I sent him back and as soon as he was gone, the lieutenant let out another deep sigh. (sighs) Now, Sumer... Do you have any other familiars to use during training exercises? The lieutenant asked. No, ma'am. Only Jake, I said. Fine then. While the others will start training with their familiars, you'll begin doing mana control exercises. Have you ever done anything like that before? Yes, ma'am. But it was a very long time ago, back when I was still attending the academy. Do you remember the chatter variation? She asked. Yes, ma'am. Good. Begin doing that. And once everyone has finished your training, you will join us for our next session. After giving me orders, the lieutenant and the rest of our squad flew down into the pit and began doing the battle drills. I found a quiet corner by myself and began my own exercises. Mana control exercises are exactly what they sound like. They are specific techniques meant to improve at the upper limit and precision of one's mana control. There are seven basic variations. The one I was doing focused primarily on precision rather than amount. You start by forming manna into a triangle state, then shape it. I also started with a sphere when I did them in the academy, then moved on to more complex shapes like pyramids and squares. It was easy enough to get started, and before long, I was shaping my manner into increasingly complex structures. Just as I was about to finish a dodecahedron, I lost focus and the shape erupted. There is no danger when it fails, but it does release some force so the feathers of my outstretched wings were ruffled slightly. I relaxed for a moment, pulling my wings back to my sides to release some of the tension before starting again. I took a deep breath and began. This time, rather than starting from the first shape, I started from just slightly before I lost control. I was able to make it a bit further this time, almost beating my own personal record from the Academy days. But just as I was about to, someone shouted, SUMA! DODGE! I looked behind me and then fell to the ground just in time to witness a fire spell zip overhead. How are you okay? Lieutenant Datu who asked, not sounding overly concerned that I was nearly hit by a stray spell. Yes, I said hesitantly. Sorry, the voice yelled out. I was too preoccupied looking myself over to check, but it sounded like nine. What's your aim? she chastised. Now do the drill again, everyone. After that, I decided to relocate myself out of their lines of fire. I started again behind a large rock wall several seconds away from the pit. Now that I was safely behind cover, I started the exercise again. I would like to say that I beat my own best, but I never did. I was too distracted thinking about my dream last night. Something about it was not perched right with me. I couldn't recall the entire thing, but I did remember having a conversation. I tried to picture it again in my mind, but the harder I thought, the further it slipped, and the more distorted it became. My eyes were closed as I tried to picture the dream, but I felt the manner exercise fail again. Then I started anew without bothering to open my eyes. I tried picturing that person's face again, the one who I was talking to in the dream. Whoever it was, he looked a bit like Jake. Except this man was shorter and wore strange garments, a bit like Jake's armor. But it showed less skin than Jake's. I gave up after a while and opened my eyes to see a face staring back at me. It was made of pure manner and it was a mystery man from my dream. It startled me, and I lost concentration, which shattered the image and the exercise. All that was left of the face was a force from the manor dispersing that quickly radiated out and away. How? I looked around. Nobody was watching, so I could not ask anyone and recognize the man. I doubted they would anyway, if I did not. Then they likely would not either. Suma, the lieutenant said, landing beside me. We are starting the team training. Let's go. I followed her to the pit and landed beside the others. The lieutenant perched in front of us and explained what he would be doing. For the next hour, we will be doing live fire magic drills. You will not be allowed to use your primary affinity, only your secondary. Why, I ask why? asked Roe. If you only train your single affinity, then situations in which that affinity is useless will cripple you. If you only learn water type magics, then a desert will be your undoing. Alternatively, if you all can do this fight, then all you'll be useless all other times. Diversify your skills. It will save your life and your squad's as well. After explaining, she created several targets by molding the ground out of the other end of the pit. With a second spell, she turned the dirt's targets into metal. Was that a transmutation spell? Odin's asked as shocked as the rest of us. Incredible. I thought only royal and court mages could use that advanced levels of magic, I said. You are correct, I learned the technique during my tenure as a court mage, Lieutenant Datu explained. We were all impressed, but no one had time to ask any more questions, because she immediately ordered us to begin. One hour may not sound like a long time, but when you are casting one spell after another, it feels like a whole day. By the end, my manner was drained and I was laying on the ground. Nine had vomited and collapsed from overexertion. And Odin's and Raoul were desperately trying to use what little manner they had left to continue training. I would have been impressed with them if I did not know the reason they were competing to see which one would last longer before passing out. Odin's was victorious in the end, but only by a few seconds. You might be wondering why we pushed ourselves to such extremes. Why they didn't simply rest? We tried once. Nine rested for a moment, but soon after his target started moving towards him and attacked him by shooting chunks of metal from itself. The longer you rest, the harder the training becomes, the lieutenant proclaimed. Nine began casting his spells again, and the target returned to normal. When he finally collapsed, I was sure he was going to be attacked again, but the target did not move. At least they know the difference between resting and dying, Odin's proclaimed, when he noticed it too. End of chapter Book 2, Chapter 10, Jake's Point of View My second day in hospital was mostly waiting and having my blood drawn. They ordered an MRI, and that was so fun. If you have ever had one and want to know what it's like, go find a drainage pipe just large enough that you can only fit into it if you are a child or a small dog. Then try desperately not to have a panic attack while they shove you in anyway. I was having flashbacks of a horrible cave the whole time while teetering on the edge of freaking out and fainting. And if you want to make your experience as accurate as possible, go find a howler monkey and have him scream in your ear while you're in the drainage pipe. That should be pretty close to what it's actually like. I was in the hospital for quite a while, about a week and a half, and in that time I became so familiar with the inside of those scanning machines that I probably could have built one of them myself. MRIs, PET scans, even X-rays, and sleep studies. At one point, they attached a punch of electrodes and leads to my head and told me to say the alphabet backwards. "'Well, hello, Mr. Vandal,' the neurologist said as he walked into the room I was in. Mum was gone right now. She needed to run some errands, so it was just him and me at the moment. "'Hey,' I said. "'I got the results of your tests back last night.' He took a seat in the small, rolling chair near my bed. Good news or bad? I asked. Both. The good news is that we didn't find anything suspicious from the MRI or the EEG, so it probably wasn't a seizure. And the bad news? I asked. The bad news is we still don't know what caused your hallucinations and fainting. At this point, we are forced to conclude that your symptoms aren't biological in nature, but are probably psychological. He pulled out his pen and picked up a clipboard from a nearby table. You mentioned you were seeing a therapist, correct? Yeah, Dr. Maxwell. She has been my therapist for a while now. Okay, in addition to Dr. Maxwell, I am going to recommend you to a psychiatrist. His name is Dr. William Bartholomew, and he specializes in this type of thing. I'll give you his number, and his office can set you up with an appointment. for that final meeting, I was released from the hospital. I filled Mum and later Suma in on what the neurologist said. A day later, Suma summoned me so that we could talk about my options. I'm sorry, what exactly does a psychiatrist do? Suma asked from her metal perch. We were in her new room, the one shared by the other recruits, but they were all out at the moment. I was sitting on a chair molded of rock that Suma taught me how to make. They're like healers, but for the mind, I said. And how exactly is that different from what Dr. Maxwell does? She asked. Dr. Maxwell is a therapist. They deal with more trauma and non-medical issues. Psychiatrists deal with medicines, injuries, and diseases that affect the mind, I told her. But it doesn't matter. I don't think I'll be making an appointment with him. Why not? Are you not worried about having more hallucinations? I am. But I don't think he'll be able to help me. We already know what caused him. All I wanted to know was whether or not that flaming figure did any actual physical damage, since the doctor didn't see anything on any of the scans. I think that means whatever is happening is magical, not physical. I see, said Suma. You do have a point. I may have a suggestion, then. Okay. We should perform a memory delve on both of us. Why? You said your hallucinations felt like they were memories, did you not? If they really are, then we'll delve will help us to understand them. ''Okay, but why do you need one?'' I wondered. ''I, uh... I've also been experiencing strange dreams, not too dissimilar from what you described your visions to be like.'' Suma confessed. ''What? When?'' I shouted. ''I believe it was around the same time you experienced your first vision.'' Suma's head was hanging slightly lower. She was avoiding eye contact, too. Even her normal glitter was slightly dulled. ''Why didn't you say anything?'' I asked, confused. ''I did not wish to worry you.'' And at first I thought it was simply a dream. Now, after hearing your descriptions of what you saw, I doubt it was a coincidence. So, what did you see? Sumo looked back at me as she explained. I cannot remember clearly, but I do know that there was a Neema called Ambos and a Viking called Zachariah. The same people I saw, or thought I was anyway. It was the same for me. My dream took place from the perspective of Ambos. Why does that name sound so familiar? I asked, trying to remember. He was the name of the hero mage, she said. Right, the one with the Viking familiar. I snapped my fingers and shook my hand as I remembered. So, uh, but the framing man somehow has the memories, I asked. It is possible he took their memories somehow. Spells of that nature have existed for some time. It was thought that our ancestors, before the Ravaging, would have had very advanced and diverse magics, even compared to today, Zuba explained. And you think the memory dove will help us out with what happened? Yes, I do. Okay, let's do it, I said, ready to go. We need to find someone capable of performing the spell, Suma said. I do not have the ability to perform one on myself, or at all, actually. I have no talent for mind magic. So, uh, who do we know who can do it? I asked. I might know a person. She was a court mage. Who? I asked. End of chapter. Book 2, Chapter 11. Jake's Point of View. So, uh, who do we know who can do it? I asked. I mind her one person. She was a court mage, Suma said. Who? I asked. Lieutenant Datahoo. She might be able to help us, and if not, we can just ask around the base. She's a court mage. Aren't those like the highest-ranking mages or something? She was, but she isn't anymore. You can't be a court mage and work as a lieutenant in the King's Armed Forces, she explained. Okay, but why not? A court mage must stand ready at the capital to defend members of the king's court, as well as be on standby should they be needed for other matters. Oh, all right then. Do you think she'll help? It it is possible, Suma said hesitantly. What about likely? Ah, That I cannot say. Suma and I had left the room and went searching for the lieutenant. We bumped into Nine on the way, and he said he saw her at the pits which was some kind of fighting arena Suma had told me about a week or so ago. As we neared the pits, we were started to hear the sounds of battle. She must be training, I said. Indeed. We should wait for her to finish. I didn't argue. I wanted to see what a court mage training looked like. Also, the lieutenant is a little intimidating. We watched from above, Suma was perched on a metal bar, and I leaned over it. The lieutenant's training was impressive. She was doing maneuvers jet fighter pilots must dream about, all while casting spell after spell. Her movements were so quick, I couldn't even follow them. She could turn on a dime, do a barrel roll, and then then fire a successive attacks. Wham, 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 wham! Four shots fired off and rang out as they hit their targets. Yeah, that's targets, plural. She was tracing off against three training dummies, like the kind we used at Basic, and one other thing that looked to be made of living rock. "'Is that some kind of golem?' I asked Siva. "'Do you mean the rock dummy?' "'Yeah. I have never heard of this name before, but I can attest that it is quite strong,' she said. "'What is a golem?' "'It is something that isn't alive but can move anyway. "'Usually it's controlled from a distance by someone too weak to fight for themselves,' I said. "'Ah, yes, then it is a golem,' she said. "'We talked without looking away from the fight. "'Not that it would have made much of a difference for me anyway. "'The lieutenant finished the fight with Nature Spell.' Magic circles appeared under each target, and vines shot up from the ground, impaling all four of her targets. The training dummy stopped moving and fell to the ground, while the rock golem shattered and crumbled to dust. For a second, I wondered if I should applaud. Are you going to keep perching there like knots in a branch, or tell me what you wanted? Lieutenant Dadu turned to us and called out. I, um, yes ma'am, Zuma stuttered nervously. I have to admit, even I was surprised she saw us during all of that... We have a request for you, ma'am. A request? Yes, ma'am. But first, uh, do you know how to perform a memory dive? I asked. I do. Can you perform one on Jake and myself? Sima asked. She looked confused. Why? It is related to my condition. The doctors on my world were able to confirm that there was no physical damage causing my hallucinations. So we think the reason lies in my mind, I explained. What led you to that conclusion? She wondered. Well... We think it was caused by memories that were implanted by a figure in flame, I said. Figure in flame? What are you talking about? the lieutenant asked. Oh, I knew I was forgetting something, Suma whispered to herself. We spent the next half an hour explaining everything from the beginning, starting with the first appearance all the way up to Sumer's own vision. So let me see if I got this straight, lieutenant at to side. You both have seen visions of memories you don't possess, and you are only telling me now, after all this time... That, uh, sums it up, yeah, I acknowledged. Do you two realize how many regulations this violates, not just keeping medical conditions secret, Lady Suma, but the cause as well? I could even begin to list them, she said, shaking her head. So, can you help us? Suma asked. Yes and no. I cannot perform a memory delve myself. That would violate regulations. But I can put in an official request for one to be formed on our base staff. We have a few members of permanent staff who can perform the spell safely, she explained. Thank you, ma'am, I said. Thank me by reporting for training as soon as you're able, and by reporting any more sightings of this figure in flame. Yes, ma'am, Zuma and I agreed. Now, Sentinel, I have a request for you as well, she said. Ma'am? End of chapter. Chapter 12. Jake's Point of View. I was sitting on a chair made of sculpted vines, listening to my personal tutor talk about magic theory and practical applications as part of my after-training lessons that I was supposed to do. Every day after everyone else got done with their training, I come here and learn about a variety of magic manipulation techniques and how to be more precise control of my mana. I may not make it sound fun, but it was actually pretty interesting. Recently, I learned mana control technique. Apparently, there are a lot of variations. But he just showed me a few. Now enlarge the manosphere, but don't let the concentration waver, or it will rupture. My instructor, who didn't have a name, told me. He was perched on a metal pole about ten feet behind me. What happens? Boom! The sphere exploded like a balloon going off in my ear. In hindsight, I should have known better. I yelled and rubbed my ringing ears. I literally just said to concentrate, he said, shaking his head. I didn't do that last time, I said. That was the Naoko variation. This is the Chato. Do you remember how I described the Naoko? he asked. I thought for a second. You said it was more about output than control. Yes, exactly. Chato variation is the exact opposite. So fading here is more likely and is less dangerous because you aren't using much mana. The Naoko version is pretty simple to do. He had me pull a lot of mana, then release it in a single blast. He said that it was to improve how quickly I could utilize my manner and to improve how fast I could store it up. Wait, what do you mean less dangerous? Was the Naoko one not safe? He was safe enough for you. Well, now, he tells me, I thought to myself, what do you mean safe enough for me? Your own manner is unlikely to hurt you, but that doesn't mean it isn't dangerous. Why do you think I'm perched over here, he pointed out. "'Yeah, but what would it do, I mean?' I asked. "'Well, I don't know about your inversion, mana, and I'm not too keen on finding out. "'But depending on the attribute one possesses, "'the rupture would have a variety of effects unto anyone caught in its path. "'Energy is more likely to burn you. "'Nature causes mould to grow sometimes. "'Other times plants in the affected area die. "'And memory attribute mana once caused me to relive an entire day in my mind. "'So it really depends on the mage.' He explained. As he explained, I restarted trying to form the sphere and it popped again. You seem to be having significantly more trouble with the control variation. Yeah, but I don't know why. I mean, my real gun spell must require more control than this, so I don't know what I'm doing wrong, I said confused. Did you perhaps use a magic circle for your spells? the instructor asked. I don't even know how that work, I said. I'll put it in the lesson plan when I get a chance. Perhaps your visualizations need improvement. How are you picturing the sphere in your mind? I asked. I, uh, I wasn't. Was I supposed to? I turned to him and asked. It would help, yes, but it isn't always a requirement. Actually, many high-ranking majors pride themselves in not needing to rely on visualizations when doing this training. How can you tell the difference? I asked. Using visualizations makes the sphere smooth, but using only your manual control causes lines to appear, he said. I looked at the sphere I was forming. There were countless lines moving in every direction, like a ball of yarn, but translucent. Can I try with visualization, then? I asked. You can, but I prefer you to not have to rely on them. In combat, you won't always have time for such things. So you should get used to training the harder way, if you can. It will help you on the long term. So, um, I shouldn't use them? I wondered. You can, but sparingly. Build up your abilities without them. How am I supposed to use a visualization sparingly? I asked, confused. The way I do it is by only imagining the outline of the sphere, not the finished product, he explained. I turned away from him and refocused back on the sphere, doing as he suggested on picturing a hollow circle in my mind. It really made a difference. The sphere was far easier to maintain this time. I was able to maintain it for 30 seconds before it ruptured again. I practiced this way for about an hour. Apparently, once you're able to make a sphere and maintain it for a full minute, then you start making other shapes. I never made it past the sphere. After my training was done for the day, I found Suma and went home. I needed to prepare for tomorrow, and for the favor that Lieutenant who asked me to do for her. End of chapter. I would quickly like to thank the T5 channel members and Patreons. Caspar Arnholtz, Cam Maxwell, Barkey. Lord Azricol, it's difficult to pronounce Dragzoon WRE. Holly's sister, Arcadian. Thank you very much.